Lou, I, Lou, we've been messing with our microphones now for like eh, 20 minutes. Why don't you say we uh, we skip the little intro and just go right, right into the music? Yeah, since I'm using the same mic anyway, what the heck? Welcome to this edition of The Yes Men. I am Lou DiPietro. To my left, as always, Doug Williams, my co-host. We are trying out new microphones, new podcast equipment, some stick mics. I still sound like I'm in a tunnel. I don't know what's going on with that, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. We do what we can. We, we do what we got. Yep. Well, let's open this edition of The Yes Men, Doug, by talking about the Super Bowl, since everyone else in the world has already talked about it except for us. And I have to issue an apology. Um, I, don't, I don't think apology is the right word. You used this to me yesterday. I didn't even know what you were talking about. All right. Maybe not an apology so like much as – You don't as have to a, apologize. Think about how many people also picked the Broncos. True. True. Very true. But I, I guess – all right. If apology isn't the right word, then a mea culpa perhaps. I was completely wrong with what I said about the Super Bowl. I – thought Denver's offense was going to be Denver's offense. And I'm sure, like Doug said, a lot of people did, but they weren't they weren't even close outside of Demarius Thomas. And they got clobbered. It's pretty much all there is to it. Although, in saying that, I do have to say one thing. There was some talk earlier in the, the week leading up to the Super Bowl about how, uh, I forget who it was, said that Seattle's receivers were more like appetizers, and there was really no main course. And then, you know, Doug Baldwin and Golden Tate fought back, and, you know, talk went on. But if you look at the stats from the Super Bowl, now granted, Seattle didn't have a lot of sustained offensive drives because they didn't need to. They got the ball in very good position a lot of times. Russell Wilson had 206 yards passing. I mean, Doug Baldwin, five catches, 66 yards, a touchdown. Curse, four catches, 65 yards, a touchdown. Nobody really stood out. I mean, Golden Tate had a couple of catches. You know, various other guys had catches here and there. But there wasn't one dominant performance there. It was really a bunch of guys who were kind of almost interchangeable. Percy Harvin getting, you know, most of his yards on on those couple of end arounds and sweeps that he ran. But even with Marshawn Lynch not doing much of anything because he didn't really need to, I mean, that offense was pretty much just – Get it to somebody, and that person is going to do pretty much the same thing anyone else was going to do with the ball. And if you're apologizing today, Lou, then I'm going to boast. Um, I, I, what, what did we say? Like, I made the correct prediction, but, like... You were a little bit off in the score, obviously. Yeah, but. I think, as I think everyone was. Um, the... Seattle offense was kind of exactly what I thought it would be. Now, I didn't think that Denver wouldn't have an offense, so I thought it was going to be a close game and that both offenses would play well. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was Lou who just turned, totally turned my, uh, my audio off. It was as if I, like mid-talk, you just decided, no, shush up. I changed the headphone volume on him. I'm sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so, Russell Wilson... It was kind of a game manager, but also made a lot of good plays. Granted, I agree with you. The, the Their field position had a lot to do with the, the amount of points that they scored. But their offense played effectively. And that's pretty much all they needed to do, it turned out. So I thought that that, w- that was going to happen. And I thought that Denver would compete on offense. So that's why I thought it would be a mid-20s, you know, mid-scoring kind of game. So you know what? 
Lou, I, I honestly, I cannot blame you. More people in Vegas picked the Denver Broncos than the Seattle Seahawks. So you, you, you can't kick yourself. Sports is the most unpredictable thing in the world. And somehow we all still make predictions because they're fun and, and they're interesting. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's nothing more than that. It, it, you know, we had no way of knowing who was going to win that game. Denver looked like an offensive juggernaut, one of the best offenses in the history of the NFL. Right, and we've said, you know, we said last week that the the Denver defense against the Seattle offense was going to be a key matchup to watch because nobody was talking about either one of them. But you look at the you just look at the drive chart too, and I actually I have it written down here because I've done some research. Dun dun dun. You know, the the Seahawks had the interception return for a touchdown. They had the kickoff return for a touchdown by Percy Harvin. And they had the safety that opened the game. Their five offensive drives that led to scores, 51 yards, 58 yards, 37 yards, 58 yards, 48 yards. They did not take over the ball outside their own 40 on any of those drives. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm not a big stack guy, Lou. But I should that, say inside. That, that actually does you know make a lot of sense, and that's really interesting. Basically, it tells you that field position – was the reason that the Seattle Seahawks blew out the Denver Broncos. Yep. I mean, their their longest drive was 58 yards. The second field goal in the first quarter and their touchdown late that, that Kerr scored on that uh, wide open play where he kind of hit the invisible B button and just went off. 58 yards. I mean, that's taking over on your own 42. That's Field position like that, if you even have a mediocre offense, is going to win you a lot of games, especially if you're forcing three and outs and interceptions and harassing the other team's quarterback. If you've got even a passable defense, you're going to win a lot of games with that. Yeah, so honestly, um, I you can only talk about that game so much. Like Honestly, those are some of the most important stats that came out of it. Other than that, it was a lot versus a little, and yeah. it was just a general bummer. I mean, it was the first Super Bowl outside in the cold in a very, very long time. It was in New York and New Jersey. There was a lot of hype. It was the two best teams in both uh, divisions, conferences, I mean. And it really did not live up to the hype in any way. Nobody could get to the game. Nobody could leave the game. Uh, it was a blowout of a game. The weather wasn't at all interesting. It was just like kind of cold, which is just it wasn't snowing. It wasn't warm. It was just blech. And the Super Bowl was like that. Um, so I wish it was a better game. Every, think about all the people. Think about the Denver fans that paid thousands of dollars to sit sit at the game. Think about everybody that went out of their way to go to a Super Bowl party or traveled across the country to watch with friends. The Super Bowl has a lot of pressure on it as an event to, to supply entertainment. Absolutely, and, and it really didn't. Right. The Super Bowl uh, halftime show might have been the most entertaining thing about the game. Well, that and the all the tweets afterwards of the people waiting in line for the NJ Transit trains and buses to get out of there was a bit of a, oh, a headache, God. too. But Can you imagine, Lou? You know, what makes it even worse, and I know we, we had a laugh about this last week because you didn't really know how the box pool worked. Right. Well, think of all the people that, now that you know how the box pool works, think of all the people that had really good numbers, like, oh, I've got 7-0. First play of the game from scrimmage is a safety. Completely yeah. off the board. And then Seattle kicks a field goal, which makes it even worse because nobody wants five. Right. And and there you go. And it was pretty much that right off the bat killed it. And then Denver scoring on the last play of the third quarter probably angered more people. I would Yeah, I would say probably more people than last year with the, the late safety to kind of really? avoid you the— Really? Uh, more than that? 
Because at late game safety was like the late game safety. There's probably a lot more of a stake on the line given the way most box pools work. But there was still time for a score to happen. I mean, Denver had done nothing all day. Had they waited to make you know their drive score that touchdown one more play, still wouldn't have changed the final score. Denver still had eight at the end. But they had zero for the first 44 minutes and 59 seconds, technically 45 minutes, I guess, because that touchdown was scored with zeros on the clock. A lot of people that were like, yes, yes, oh, which especially if you're a Denver fan, it's like, why did you have to score there? Right. And, you know, Denver didn't want to get shut out. No, of course not. So th- they weren't in the game. They they obviously were going to lose at that point in the game. But it was like, let's make this respectable. I mean, a lot of people have been saying if the Broncos lost 40 to 35, I don't think everybody would still be talking about Peyton Manning's legacy. It would be like, well, he played well, but their defense. They just didn't good. do it. Yeah. But they scored eight and they, they got crushed. And Peyton Manning looked like an 80 year old man. So that is kind of why people are saying his legacy is tarnished. Um, so, again. You know, box pools, it was my first year. Well, actually, I think I did it when I was, like, 10, and I understood it then. (laughs) And then I just lost all that knowledge until now, I guess. Um, All that useless math that you learned in school. Exactly. And uh, so I I understand it now, obviously. I'm totally into it. Uh, I didn't come anywhere close to winning. But, uh, you know. At least you didn't have to wait in line for the train after the game and be told by the Super Bowl, you know, exposition committee to stay in the stadium and enjoy the sights of confetti being cleaned Isn't up. Isn't absurd, things. Lou, that they told they told the fans to enjoy the atmosphere? That was their words. Enjoy the atmosphere. Of what? After the game. Of what? New Jersey at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night? Of just looking around at the empty seats and, and the confetti that had already fallen and uh, the security people that are making sure you still don't run onto the field. At least they should be able to climb over the little fence and run out to the 50-yard line and do a little dance. Maybe some choreographed, like, touchdown celebrations in the end zone or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, get a little crew together. Maybe have a few beers, uh, you know, at the NFL logo and in, in, in midfield. You know, the thing about this is that we talked about last last week about WrestleMania and how, like, you know, people... Which I know six, nothing about. Right, but 60,000, 70,000 people were at MetLife Stadium and whatever, and a lot of them took public transportation because they may have been coming in from out of town or this or that. So many people took NJ Transit this time, and they knew they were going to have that ridership, and yet it still was chaos. I understand that only one train can come in and out at a time because of the way the system is built, but it was just – it was amazing. You know, you and I had talked when we were at the uh, stadium series a week or so ago about, you know, maybe a Winter Classic is on the horizon. You know, it would be kind of cool, but between the debacle that was NJ Transit and the devil's relationship with the, you know – authorities that run MetLife and the Meadowlands not being peachy thanks to the way they left. The fact that Yankee Stadium has the pinstripe bowl, so it's going to be really hard to hold something on January 1st there if it takes more than two days to build. City Field, I mean, you know, a lot of people may not want to do business with the Wilpons given their financial uh, mishaps over the last few years. New York has shot itself in the foot several times for a possible winter classic, and this is kind of like the I don't know if it's the last straw, but the next straw and saying, yeah, there's there's no way we should realistically give them this opportunity when the infrastructure can't handle it. And it's all a post 9-11 thing, Lou, because I think a lot of people would have driven instead of taking Jersey Transit to the game. Oh, if absolutely. Parking hadn't been such a nightmare and parking was a nightmare because of security. And, um, you know, it, it's all kind of connected. 
And I, you know, if I had gone to the Super Bowl, I would have taken Jersey Transit. That's how I would have gotten there. And so that kind of hits you. It's like, wow, if I had decided to go to this game, I would have been, you know, in that sauna in a, in a cold winter coat, you know, just boiling up. I mean, it's just, you know what? It makes you wonder, you know, I wrote an article for Yes maybe a month or two ago just about the, you know, we had attendance issues in the beginning of the NFL playoffs in the divisional round. And I was saying, you know, HDTVs cost $300. That's less money than a football playoff ticket costs. Or at least a series of, because you're not going to go by yourself. Right. So why, why go? Especially in a day like the Green Bay-San Francisco game in the first round where and it was you can't, zero. At the Super Bowl, you can't even tailgate. That's all the fun. If you're Joe Schmo from Kansas City coming to this game, you're going to the Super Bowl just to see the event. You don't care about either team. You want to tailgate and have fun. Even if you care about either team, though. I mean, when I go to you know when I go to Eagles games, I'm sure you're the same way when you go to Giants games. It's fun to hang out in the parking lot. Have a couple of beverages, maybe grill some food, you know, some steaks or some hot dogs or something. Throw a frisbee around, play some ladder ball, anything. Yeah. The camaraderie of the parking lot is half the fun of the game because, realistically, the difference between watching football live and watching football on TV is the announcers and you can see everything like develop and, as opposed to what's on camera. And That's it. time, you have time to yourself when you're on your couch. Like during uh, the commercials, you can go do something. You can grab a drink. You can go to the bathroom in in the privacy of your own home. You can do anything you want. But when you're at the football game, only the only option you have is freezing your. That's it. Pretty much. What else are you supposed to do? Or not freezing, you know, based on the temperature of the Super Bowl, as they were worried about. Right. But I'm just saying. It's very rarely warm unless you're in a dome or you're in Florida. Other than that, you're going to be cold. Which I guess means that the Super Bowl is going to be in domes or in Florida for the next foreseeable future and not again in New York. Based I've on heard the way Boston. That was a rumor yesterday that, that they'd eventually look at Boston as a possible place to have it. See, I think that actually as much as we're supposed to hate Boston because we're Yankees guys, I think actually Boston would be the perfect locale for that. Gillette Stadium is in the middle of nowhere. It's not like, you know, it's, it's highly accessible. It's a hubbub of... Yeah, know. it's not like it's the Meadowlands, which, yes, aren't in New York City, but it's accessible by 900 trains and right across the bridge, and there's a bazillion people in the area. But having all the events, you know, the things, the glitz, the glamour in Boston proper somewhere would be great. But then, you know, like I said, Foxborough is outside the city, kind of out in its own enclave, so you wouldn't really need to maybe just, like, cut off two-thirds of the parking like they did here because there'd be no other way to get there. You know, I just honestly, it's coming at a tough time, Lou, because um, I am so sick of winter. Oh. Like I, I, I don't, I can't right now, honestly, with a level head, tell you that I'd take another winter Super Bowl because I just can't stand the winter anymore. And I'm not. Listen, I understand that it's colder in other places than New York City. Like if you're from Chicago and you're listening to this, first of all, hello, thank you. Second of all, I understand that I'm a wussy if I think. 20 degrees is really cold. But at the same time, I've been at school in North Carolina for the last four years. And even before that, when I was in high school, snow was celebrated because it meant no school. I have never in my life gone through a time where snow just means harder. It's harder to get everywhere. Just makes life miserable. Yeah. And it's it, it really is, as an adult, it is such a drag. Winters are the worst. And this winter is bad. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just complaining about the cold. We've had ice. We've had snow. 
We've had terrible conditions in New York and in the suburbs. It's really been terrible. Well, it's been very bizarre because I know, like you said, you've been away in North Carolina for the last few years. Last year, we had the one snowstorm that dumped just buckets of snow on this entire area. And some places got three feet plus in one shot. But there wasn't a lot of... I don't want to say there wasn't a lot of snow because there was a lot of snow, but there wasn't a lot of storms. It was kind of one big burst where they got everything. A couple years ago was a lot like this year in that we just had storm after storm after storm. It just kept dumping. Every storm was six to eight inches or more. It wasn't, oh, it's going to snow two inches, maybe a coating kind of thing. It was it was buckets of snow every week, two, three times a week, three, four, six inches of snow. And correct me if I'm wrong, has, has there been one on a weekend yet? No. This year? They've all been well, on, like, Tuesdays. That's not true. There's been one that started on a Saturday night. The, like the, I guess it was the first one back in early December started on a Saturday night or a Saturday mid-afternoon-ish, I guess, depending on where you live and, and went into the morning. It just yeah. throws a wrench right in your week. That's well, all it does. You know what else throws a wrench right in your week, which is one thing that I know you and I talked about earlier today, is can, can you clean your snow off your car, please? Like, seriously, people? No. I, I mean, I was how guilty of are it, you? But I was, I was guilty of that today. Well, that's what I'm saying. You at least spent that half an hour. I mean, you have an SUV. I have an SUV. It's kind of almost necessary up here in the winter these days. You at least spent that half an hour shoveling out your, you know, you leave your car here at the studio sometimes and go into the city. You spent that time to shovel it out a little bit, clean off the top, make it so that when you drove it out in public, it wasn't just pretty much a rolling abominable snowman. Right. And that's dangerous. And you can get pulled over for it on the highway. Like if I got on the Merritt Parkway or I-95 with a totally iced up car. It's a ticket. Right. It's a ticket because it's – and that that is a well-deserved ticket if you're getting on a highway with a car like that. Now, there are certain spots on my, the top of my roof where I couldn't reach, so I tried to poke them with the edge of my snow scraper – to kind of break the ice, and then as I you know went 20 miles an hour, I went down a small driveway to try and get some stuff off and slammed on the brakes. You know, it's a process. You have to treat, you have to do it with respect because you have to wonder what it would be like to drive behind you. It's like driving behind your own personal blizzard. This right. is pretty much what it's like when somebody somebody like that just has it's, snow flying off their yeah, roof. Yeah, it's not like oh it's snowing. It's like oh it's snowing on me only. Yeah, it's kind of annoying and it's kind of lazy and it kind of sucks to be yeah. honest. Like I hate it. But, you know, I guess it's a necessary evil of winter. We've got six more weeks, according to the Groundhog, which, good job on the calendar on that one, dude, because spring starts in March, so six weeks of winter makes sense either way. Right. The nice. ground, you know what? Yeah. You'll find, Lou, that the Groundhog is it, – it just doesn't have much pressure on him. Nope. So he does what he wants. He's a meteorologist. He can be wrong 75% yeah. of the time and still be a Hall and of Famer. And he fell this year. Did you see that? I did. That and I saw the funny. one in New York tried to bite the mayor, which yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah, the, the he tried to bite the mayor, and then the mayor, the mayor dropped him. Well, that's what he gets for trying to bite the mayor. It's that food chain, man. Yeah. You know what else? It's 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 been a bad week for me between the box pool thing because I was the victim of a third quarter. Yeah, can uh, you tell it's it's this uh, podcast kind of has a rant uh, feel to it, everybody? Yeah, I was a victim of the third quarter thing, and then the snow thing happened to me Tuesday as I was driving to work after Monday's storm. And then just situations with my laundry room at home just make me want to just grab somebody and shake them. It's been a bad week for me. And I've only been at work for maybe 12 of the 32 hours of the work week so far. So it's could be worse, I suppose. I could have been here all week doing work <laughs> instead of working from my couch and watching the Michael K. show and The Price is Right and various other things. That's true. But I digress. We have, to, uh, we have to address that uh, as we tape today um, is the beginning of the Winter Olympics. I know we said we were going to talk about spring training, but I feel like with pitchers and catchers still more than a week out from reporting, we can kind of 
table that for now. And, and we'll oh, I said to... I was going to. Oh, there's sounding the horn. Yeah, that's that the transition. Was, that's uh, officially football season is over and uh, baseball has begun. So I sounded the horn. It's baseball season. But um, it actually today marks the first day of the Winter Olympics. Um, it's been an interesting start. My uh, My dad is over there. Um, he just got there. I haven't heard any complaints from him. I have heard complaints from about everybody else. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Except for yesterday, if, if you watched the Michael K. show yesterday, which is Wednesday, um, Bob Papa was on. And he said he hadn't seen any of the craziness that people have been tweeting. He was up in the mountains. He's up in the mountains where the skiing is going on, all the ski events. So things might be a little different there than they are down in He's Sochi probably nice, in, in a nice little, like, ski lodge. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm sure the NBC Sports people spared no expense for their millions of employees that are going over there, to be honest. Yeah, you know, it's just weird. I don't know why it's there. I don't. It, it, it was in London, uh, and it was in <laughs> Vancouver. And, and these are the kind of cities that people are – they're destinations. Like it's, oh, Vancouver. The Olympics are there. That sounds great. London. Yeah. Always wanted to go to London. Let's go there. The Olympics are there. That's great. Sochi? Yeah, I mean, Vancouver and London have stray dogs running wild and the president of the country spouting homophobia every 30 seconds on television. And, and water that was yeah. turning brown and couldn't touch your face for your for your health yeah. and well-being. And bathtubs and incomplete hotels detaching from the wall and other, and other crazy things. right next to each other and a lack of pillows. Yes, it's just, it's just a nightmare. And you asked the question, why are the Olympics in Sochi? Anyone that's done any research on Sochi, Russia, I guess, because I wouldn't say anyone that knows, because I don't think anyone knew anything about Sochi, Russia until just now. Anyone that's done any research would see that it's pretty much a summer resort town on the Black Sea. It's the Florida of Russia. That's what people call it. It would be like having the Winter Olympics in Cape Cod. Cape Cod is pretty much like six months out of the year top and six months out of the year it's rich people's boarded up houses, right? Or Bermuda. Seriously. Bermuda is like 55 degrees right now. That's what it would be like. If Bermuda had mountains 10 minutes away from the ocean, that's what this would be like. If Bermuda had the landscape of Jamaica, it would be the Olympics. It's, you know, there's problems around any Olympic Games, okay? Vancouver, the tragedy of the the loser that died, you know, in the practice run when he hit the support beam aside, that kind of cast a pall over the beginning of the Games. But beyond that, it was unusually warm last winter in Vancouver. It was in the 50s a lot. People were worried about melting snow and things like that. So then why do you give the Olympics – I know the Sochi was picked before Vancouver, okay? But when you have problems like that or you have like London spending all this money to upgrade infrastructure, you go to Sochi and they have to build everything from scratch – it's the most expensive Olympic Games ever because they had to pretty much build everything from scratch. $51 billion. Why? It makes why no you, sense. Why do you put the Olympics in a city who's pretty much in the same temperature zone as Charlotte? Would you have the Winter Olympics in Charlotte? No. Charlotte would be much easier to handle. I mean, they, they have facilities and infrastructure and running water down in, well, maybe, in Charlotte. But... Would you put the Winter Olympics there? No. But it's 55 degrees right now down there. There's snow in the mountains in Asheville. I'd put them in Denver. Denver's a much colder city on the whole. Lake Placid. Sochi is geographically about the same latitude as like Lake Placid, Burlington, Vermont. But it's such a different climate because it's right there on the sea in that side of the mountains. You know what's so funny is maybe it's because my my dad is there. And when you're close to somebody that's there, we have a few Mm -hmm. people who do work at Yes that are there. 
you worry because of the security problem. And unfortunately, that is the number one story of this Olympics. It is the story. It's not the athletes. It's not any of the competition. The story is the safety and the well-being of everybody that's over there. And kind of, you know, a little off that is the fact that everybody seems to be complaining about the fact that they can't bathe or eat or drink water. Now, there are games to be played. This is supposed to be for fun. This is sports. Right. People are getting in little in little uh, tubes that have skates on the bottom and going as fast down a hill as possible. Some of them head first. This That's is what not, the skeleton is. This is not that serious of, of an event, and yet... Russia could not be taking it more seriously and at the same time totally screwing it up. See, that's the thing. Beyond the whole geographic and the Winter Olympics require winter much more than the Summer Olympics require summer is the generalization I'm going to make. And the generalization I I make is that because Helsinki, Finland has had those Summer Olympics. So has Montreal. Maybe it's like 65 or 70, but 90% of those Olympic events are indoors the 10% that are outdoors or equivalent, you know, swimming in a natatorium, you can kind of control the temperature. Track, as long as it's, you know, as long as you can wear shorts, you can run, kind of thing. Cycling, things like that. You can't do skiing if the snow is melting. It requires winter. That's what it did. It's snow skiing. That's what it is. Snowboarding. Sean White pulled out a slope style, which is a brand new event. Everybody's like, oh, great. This is going to be interesting. Went, went on the course, said it was too dangerous, fell, hurt himself, said, forget this, I'm out. I'm going to concentrate on the event I'm actually here for. I feel bad for everybody that has to go. I was watching the uh, men's hockey players uh, on the Today Show yesterday. I was like, Ryan Callahan, I feel bad for you, bro. Why, like, I, I wouldn't want to go to Sochi. Who wants to go right now? It's dirty. They don't have pillows. I want pi- I want pillows to sleep they on. Have, they have danger. They have dangerous accommodations. It's and in Russia. Events. It's impossible to get to. If you if you live in a small city with an airport, but not a regional. It's only a regional airport. It's not an airport that flies uh, international. You have to take two flights just to get to the flight to take you to Sochi. And people have missed him. You know, if you read the the New York Daily News. Uh, Philip Bondi actually wrote a story about how it took him 48 hours to get there from New York. Yeah. Because of a snowstorm and misconnections and airport grading. It took him 48 hours, and then someone walked in on him pooping in his hotel room. <laughs> like, that's that's the finish. Like, it takes him 48 hours to get there, and he's finally in his hotel room trying to relax, trying to, you know, let nature call, and someone else has the same keys to his same room and walks in on him. Okay, so how about this, like, though? Like, that's the perfect ending for that. We'll end on this. Lou, this is a question that I have for you. Okay. Are do we sound like if there is a Russian listening, which there probably is. Yes. And not not because they're a fan of our program, but because because, because we've been some, we've been tapped. They they tapped your dad's are cell phone just, and yours. Are we just whiny Americans? Like and and are the Russians listening to us like like oh they don't have their pillows the water's a little dark like listen to them they like everything perfect or is this actually you know a travesty and, and is this actually a disaster or are we just whiny spoiled Americans I don't know but I'm gonna again I'm gonna reference because I haven't referenced the show enough apparently it's on yes by the way now the Michael K show three to seven p.m. weekdays. Um, but Michael and Don and Bob Papa, when he was on, were kind of having this conversation, and it was more of like Michael enjoys the games, which I do too. I mean, I'm going to watch curling. If, if it's on at 7 in the morning, I'm going to watch it while I'm getting ready for work because I enjoy watching Olympic curling. But knowing that behind it is a horrendously corrupt organization like the IOC, as 
and I'm taking words right directly from what he said yesterday. You know, putting games in somewhere that's dangerous, dirty, ill-equipped, just because of whatever backdoor reason there might be, takes away a little bit of the enjoyment, especially for that kid who worked his whole life to get to the Olympics because 90% of those sports are also ones you're not going to see anybody going pro in anytime soon to make a lot of money. Hockey, notwithstanding, not a lot of people uh, making millions of dollars in endorsements in you know alpine skiing or curling. But you feel bad for that kid that's kind of worked his whole life, and now he's got to go somewhere where he's got to be fearful of not only his safety, his security, and in the case of slope style, if what Sean White said is true, and it happened today in the downhill skiing run, they had to stop it and um, stop practice after three skiers because the jump at the end was too too rough. It was too they got too much air. It was capable of seriously injuring someone. They now have to worry about their physical safety, just doing what they're there to do. It just seems like the perfect storm of we're not whiny Americans. This really isn't ill-equipped Olympics. We'll see what happens in 18 days. But for now, that that's that's the story is, is all the just not good things that are happening around the games themselves. Well, very well said. I totally agree. Well, that is going to do it for uh, this edition of the Yes Men. Doug, I don't know if you want to sound the horn again real quick to signify the end. Of the episode? Of the episode. No, no. It's strictly yeah. a baseball and football season horn. You Apparently. can't have the horn on demand, Lou. I want the horn on demand. <laughs> I'm whiny. Now I'm whiny. I want the horn on demand. Anyway, so next week we'll get to spring training. Pitchers and catchers report next Friday, so that'll be uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll get our first look, hopefully, at Masahiro Tanaka in, uh, in pinstripes at some point next week or weekend. And uh, it'll so we'll begin the, what is it, seven, eight, almost nine-month odyssey that is baseball, depending on when the World Series ends. It's the beginning of our... Our favorite season. I know it's definitely your favorite season. It's one of mine, too. But we'll get into that in a whole lot more next week, as well as maybe Valentine's Day. No? Yes? Is that this? Is this that kind of podcast? Do we talk about stuff like that, too? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Either way, we'll be back next week. We hope you are, too. In the meantime, if you're listening to us on iTunes, remember to subscribe, rate, and review us. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your friends' neighbors. Tell your neighbors' friends. We are the Yes Men. I'm Lou. He's Doug. And we will see you next time.